As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to another episode of the Danalyze This podcast. I am your host, Daniel Gonzalez, as always. And in this episode, I have a comedy veteran on the podcast. But before we get to the guest today, guys, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, write a review. Uh, it helps the podcast grow. So far, so good this season. Season three has been the biggest season so far. And on top of that, guys, for those iHeart listeners, welcome to the Danalyze This podcast. Because guess what? You guys are new. Thank you for iHeartRadio for picking up the podcast. And, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Look who, look who just joined us, guys. We have comedian, actor, writer, Keith Ross Nelson, fresh off the boat. He's on a tour of some kind. What's going on, Keith? Yeah, that, you're, you're actually right. Three days ago. <laughs> I just did. God, what did I do? I did uh five weeks in six weeks on a boat so i'm i'm boated out at this point i get then they were going to put me back on saturday i said no i gotta stay home and rest a little bit if, so, I, if i'm honest with you that sounds like a nightmare it sounds it, like a nightmare it sounds like being on a boat it sounds like a nightmare enough of my puerto rican people have been on boats we don't need to be on any more boats <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We black people in Puerto, we don't get on boats. <laughs> no, nah, we, we're good. We're good. Yeah, yeah you know, we're all you know. good. You we'll know, get our own. We'll get our own boat, and then <laughs> we'll determine where the boat is going. Exactly. We, we're yeah. not. But yeah. okay, so let's let's real quick before we get into what you're doing. There's like a lot of line. One of the lines career trajectories for comics is to do the cruise ships there's there's a right. good amount of them that perform on cruise ships fairly regularly what's the difference between like a club comic and like a cruise ship comic? right like what, what okay so doing? so the the i'll do the myth versus the facts because okay. now i know the facts the myth is when you get really old you go on a cruise ship mm -hmm. now the facts are, 
like Holland America, for instance, their people that go on their cruises tend to tend to go askew, older, you know, 60 and up. Then you've got Royal with skews more in the middle, but they're nicer cruise ships, celebrity. Then you got Carnival with skews anywhere from 21 up to old people, depending on which Carnival ship you're on. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, in the 80s and early 90s, it was clubs. That was the place to be. They were paying the money. Uh, you could, I mean, middle acts could make 900 a week, you know, a feature. Act. But head, headliners, all the headliners were making two grand a week and getting their air paid for. Now you're lucky if you get 1,200 and half air, you know. It's, but uh, so cruise ships now are getting a lot of younger comics. And look, they pay your air. You eat on the cruise for free. They reimburse you for taxi, bus, Uber, riding your bike, whatever. Uh, the crowds are great. I love the crowds. They're great. Um, so, yeah, now, now if you hear negativity about cruise ships, it's probably by comics that aren't good enough to get on cruise ships because you need a minimum of 90 minutes to get on a cruise ship because you need one PG and at least two adults. And some cruise ships, you need even more than that, you know, depending on how many shows they want you to do. Okay. So uh, that, 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 90 that, minutes that, that, is, 90 minutes is a Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's 90 minutes is a long time. Like I've been yeah. doing it damn near three years and I feel confident to do 15. And right. when you ask me to do 20, I'm like, ah. Right. I'm stretching. Right? I'm stretching. And not, only, not only that. God bless you. 15 minutes in three years is very, you know, people forget if you're doing, if you're not stealing from somebody else and you're writing your own stuff, five minutes of material, that's 21 jokes. That's it a, is. that's a, that's a tonight show set. 21 jokes is nothing to joke about. You know, that's hard to do. Come up with 21 jokes that fit your personality that are your jokes. Yes. Sir. So, yeah. So, as a comic, what, what's your process? Like, well, how do you sit down and put pen to paper or come up with premises and start working them out on stage? I mean, you've been, you're a vet, so I, I don't, I doubt you're going to open mics three times a week. No. Four times no. a week like I yeah, am, what, so. Yeah, what I try to do is, um, like, every time I do a show, like, I try to try one or two jokes, and then what I do is I put them, like, let's say I'm doing 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Then at seven to eight minutes, I put those two jokes right in the middle. This way, the audience has already seen a regular show. If, not, if they don't work, it's no big deal. It's in the middle. I got time to make up. You know, it's like I'm making a mistake right before halftime in a close game. Well, I, we still got the second half to play. So it's like that. Okay. Um, that, that's a technique that a lot of comics like to employ, right? Like. And then All unless, right. unless you're like uber famous like joe rogan where you rent out the entire vulcan for four nights in a row and just get drunk right. <laughs> right. just use yeah. that as nice, an open mic <laughs> nice work if you got the money right right i mean that's one way to do it right but yeah. um this is more practical application of like the actual career of a stand-up because most guys in our career there's many many funny guys but there's so many of us that don't really get to those stratosphere 
style comics, but there are a bunch of comics that I've come across in my lifetime in comedy that aren't necessarily, you know, going viral, but they're working, they're paying for a home, and they're being very successful right. with comedy. Right. First of all, you know, here's an interesting thing. I, I never forgot this because it just, it blew me away when he said it because he was so famous at the time and so big. But Chappelle, you know, when he was doing the Chappelle show on Comedy Central and they offered him 50 million and he walked away and people thought he was crazy, right? And he said, I hate the fact that like five or six really big production companies literally have say so over my life. And I thought, wow, that's kind of so. Here's a guy that turns down all this money, walks away. Now, granted, he made a lot of money up to that point, probably enough to live on the rest of his life. But because he stuck to his guns, 10 years later, he gets a Netflix deal for two specials for 40 million, which is less time than he would have spent doing three more years of Chappelle's show. And then they give him two more specials for another 40. So he ended up making, in the end, he ended up making more money by being true to himself. So I like, you have to remember, like everybody, when they go in thinks, I'm gonna be the one that's gonna be famous. And, and that's great, but like to get there, you know, first of all, like we just said, you got 15 minutes. I'm sure that was a hard 15 minutes of work to get to 15 minutes. You know, you got to go out, two or three. out every out four right? times a week, multiple right. sets, yeah. uh, bombing cool. a lot. <laughs> yeah. So you you understand the, the process, you know, it's like I'm a third degree black belt. How okay. I got there, I, it even surprised me because when I went in in 2010 and I started doing Kung Fu, I said, man, and, and granted, I had some success as a basketball player and a high jumper earlier in life. but. When I went into Kung Fu, I'm like, okay, if somehow I can get to black belt, right? I'm, that'll be the ultimate for me. And then I got to black belt and I was so happy. And then uh, Master Josh was like a seventh degree. Now he says, you know, just keep coming. Yeah. And so then I just kept coming. And then, you know, six years later or seven years later, yeah, seven at 10, I was the third degree. Yeah. So, you know, Half a life is just showing up. If you yep. show up and oh. put in the time, you know, even if you're terrible, you know, even if you're terrible at something, if you just keep putting in the time, you're going to get better. Yeah. It's like, you know, so, um, you know, when you get, you know, there's, oh, I know what I was going to say on the Chappelle thing. You know, what he said was really important. This uh, th and this brings me back to the black belt thing. This is the only business I've ever been in where you could be really, 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 really good and still not be famous or still not make a, a shitload of money because they only have a certain amount of spots. And, and, and if you understand how show business works, like comedy, for instance, the easiest way to make it big is to be what I call a slot filler. When one guy that's really famous gets too old 
they replace him with a guy like him that's 20 or 30 years younger. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Woody Allen begat Richard Lewis. Richard Pryor begat Chris Rock begat Dave Chappelle. Okay. That's the easiest way to make it. Now, another way to make it is you can be so off the beaten path and weird, you create your own slot, like um, Andrew Dice Clay, Kinnison, Judy Tenuta. You know the hardest way to make it? Just be really funny. Because they don't know what to do with that. You know, they have these little formulas they work, and then they just, it's like movies. You know, that's why they keep remaking old movies. Because, the, you know, the last thing they want is somebody, oh, if you come in and you say, I got something nobody else has ever done, this is going to be great. They go, we're not interested. But if you come in and say, hey, I got a show that's a combination of uh, Arrested Development and The Naked Gun, they go, oh, let's hear about it. Mm. So it's the same thing with comics. It's the same thing with actors, you know? No, no question. Don't you think yeah. that the internet and the younger generation of comics, like the Andrew Schultz, uh, you know, guys that are in my age group that have been doing it, you know, Andrew Schultz has been doing it for a while, so don't don't get it too, but he's right. my age, right? He's been doing it since he was like 20, but he's like yeah. 33. Um, right. he, he did it. On, on, his, on his own. He did it by grinding up in New York and releasing his own special on his own dime right. on YouTube. And right. that's how he got the attention. And he's different than everybody else right now. Like, he just right. is. I, and that's, you know what? That's the one thing, to your point, which is a great point, that's what really, when people started taking it into their own hands, because of social media and YouTube, it, it, it was great because it actually caught the business with their pants down. They weren't ready for that. They, the business still hasn't caught up with what social media did to them, if that makes sense. 100%. But at the same time, you know, I'll tell you this, you know, I'm, I'm 31 years old and and I have a little success here in Austin, you know, with social media and the podcast. Yeah. I consciously, because I respect the art of stand-up, the art of stand-up, yeah. I respect the art of stand-up. I will say no to gigs that'll, I've said no to gigs that are like, hey, we'll pay you two grand to come do an hour. I'm like, I don't have an hour. Are you insane? Like, right. like, like right. I, if I was just after the money, this is just me talking, right? It's like, if I was just after the money, of course. But it's like, no, 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 no. I want to be great at something that's hard. And if I'm not, not going to be able to give you 60 minutes, why would I right. take something that's 60 minutes? Right, right. And I don't know. Right. It, it's, it's hard because... I, 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 dude, I, I think that's really smart because, you know, you're like, right, like baseball. Right now, you can hit a fastball. Yeah. So you're in double-A baseball. When you can hit a curve a screwball and a slider move up to triple a and when you can hit them all and then hit them no matter if it's wet or dry or whatever move up to the majors that's smart man why bite off more than you can chew and make yourself look bad i think you're very smart no, i think but, you're very smart to start your own podcast no i it's it's for me it's it's two things, right? Like I'm a married guy. I know that to say this is like the hardest thing to do when you're being married and being a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, right. 
but they like I feel that between podcasting and doing spots around town and going out of town when I can, it's still building my name slowly. Might not be, you know, like a 21 year old that has nothing else to do with his life other than, <laughs> you know, be out there yeah. at, you know, five spots a night and he's going to get good quickly. But I, my advantage in stand up so far has been is that I started a little later, started at 27. Yeah. So it was. That's when I started. Yeah, so I felt Same like I, yeah. I, I found my voice a little faster than some of these guys, which is why I think the 15 minutes came so quickly, yeah. you know, versus, you know, I go to these open mics and, you know, I'm still doing the open mics. Like, I, I don't have the luxury not to. Right. And I see these guys, no, no disrespect to them, but they're just sitting out there being depressing. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like, <bro. laughs> here's, here's what's interesting, what you just said. At 25, your frontal lobe, that's the year it's fully developed. So it's interesting that you started at 27. So you already started with it, even though you're behind chronologically, age-wise. Here, say hi to Bo. He wants to say hi. Say hi, What's Bo. going on? <laughs> oh, this my God. Bo Jackson. How do, you, how, do you, how do you deal with the pussy's daddy issues? That's what I want. Dude, it's a lot of cats, man. 32 cats. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a lot of daddy oh, issues walking yeah. around the house. Oh, yeah. 32 in the house, six in the front yard, two in the back. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. My wife, she, she can't sleep. These people, we live on a horse property. They move away. They leave animals. My wife can't sleep the house, though. It is what it is. But. Yeah. So, so you, you were talking about frontal lobe. Yeah. So even though chronologically you may have been behind some of your peers, mentally you were already you already had an advantage over it because you're fully at 27 when you started you're fully developed so you can start i, I don't say it's easier because i don't obviously i don't know a 21 year old that has a high iq or something i don't know or more stuff more experiences there's all that stuff but from listening to you and in fact at 27 i would think that would be that's a good year to actually start because once you're 25 is actually a great age to start because once your frontal lobe is fully developed, you could now you can like fully develop ideas and premises and stuff. So what, when you when you first started, what were some of the techniques that you picked up early on that helped you along? You know, um, I think the uh, I got my first 20, 30 minutes. I, it was kind of like you. I got it like four. Within four years, I had 30 minutes so I could middle. And it was the peak of comedy. It was like the late 80s. So I was middling for guys like Seinfeld, Larry Miller, uh, Rich Scheidner, Overton. These are guys that are like Brian Reagan. I mean, Brian Reagan to see a lot of really good guys so there was that that was helpful for two reasons it's like one well one it's depressing because you go wow I'm no okay guys we lost him please give me a second it's season three <laughs> hey 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And you know what that means, right? We have had so far some of the coolest podcast guests on so far. Oh, and there's going to be even more people coming this year, guys. There's going to be, man, reappearances from past guests, brand new people, actors, actresses, filmmakers. There's going to be so much. But if I'm honest with you guys, you know, with the budget that I have and the things that I'm doing, it is not easy to podcast. But there is one app that helps me podcast extremely easy, and that's Anchor.fm or Anchor app on any of the online app stores. Okay, guys, here's what it is. They're simple to use. They have all the tools you need for editing, for adding music, adding effects, adding background stuff. Man, they make it so easy for you. And did I mention it's fucking free? It's free, guys. It's freaking free. By free, I mean like free. Like it costs nothing to you. Now, you do have to sign some terms and agreements. But for the most part, I have said the most vile crap on this podcast. And it's still being backed by Anchor. Guys, trust me. Just do me and yourself a favor. If you're an aspiring podcaster, if you have ideas, if you want to talk about your private parts. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to anchor.fm, sign up, follow all their prompts. Guess what? And there's even ad revenue you guys can get. There's a, there's so many options for you, and their hosting is phenomenal. They help you get in all the major platforms. Just go ahead, use, and download Anchor app today. All right. Sorry about that, guys. We had some technical difficulties. The weather is not cooperating. Yeah. So, uh, so you were middling say, for Seinfeld uh, yeah, at about four years guys, in. You'd middle for these guys, and they would just literally they do forty five to an hour and just tear a room to pieces, and you're just going wow. So first of all, it was it was inspiring because you want to you go. I got to get to work because these guys are really really good. So then your goal just becomes I got to get somehow to headliner. I got to get good. Uh, and of course, still today, I'm not as good as those guys. That's how good those guys are, you know? Yeah. But I've gotten really good. You know, I did it for a long time and I got really good. So it's just, um, the, that was nice coming up with those guys and they were all nice to me. So they taught me a lot of things, you know, like things that, uh, like, like, you know, when you start out, people tend to like, they'll go deliver a punchline, then they'll look down or to the side, you know, instead of head up 
deliver the punchline to the middle so you draw people back into you. Then you talk, blah, 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 punchline, you know, stuff like that. Little, little tricks, you know, that you learn. Kind of like if you're standing in the batter's box, you know, don't step away from the pitch, you know, step into the pitch, roll your shoulders and hips towards the ball. It's kind of the same thing. So if you don't have good guys around you, then you have to figure that out on your own. It takes longer. So anything that beats you, that caught, helps you with shortcuts to that, you know, is good. The one thing I missed that would have been helpful was uh, how to act off stage and, and learning to keep my mouth shut. That would have been helpful. What, what do you mean by that? Because it's, I, mean, it's, I, 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 I think all comedy scenes are toxic in my opinion, but. Yeah, so, so, so okay. So I'm going to tell you a couple stories and then I'll tell you. Okay, here's the best thing anyone ever said to me. And this was in 2010. This is after I've been doing it for 24 years, but it turned my career around. It took a while, but it turned my career around. It was a guy named Paul Dudridge, who used to be the second biggest agent in England. And he was Ricky Gervais's agent for a while. And he was consulting with me and helping me out. And he said, listen, uh, between action and cut and between ladies and gentlemen and good night, that's the only time you should be talking. The rest of the time, keep your mouth shut. That's the first thing. The second thing is reward good behavior, ignore bad. And what he meant is when other comedians are acting like idiots or they're saying stuff or they're making you mad, just ignore it. Let it go. So the interesting thing is the first part of that, reward good behavior, that's kind of easy. The second part, ignore bad behavior, is very hard. Because you're right. There's so many guys that are toxic. There's so many guys that are assholes. And, and you're going through it now because at the open mic, it's even worse because it's oh, just yeah. dark. Guys have bad attitudes, you know. So it's always good if you can find guys that are already working, that are doing well, that are nice guys, because the, the more you can hang around them, them the better off you're going to be. Oh no, don't get me wrong. I have a bunch of really good comics that I that I surround myself around. Like, yeah. I always look for the guys that that kind of similar situation, either in a long term situationship or. Or they've been doing it for a while and just kind of hang back and do their thing. But, you know, when you're at the clubs, you know, there's a lot of the politics. Everybody's trying to get the oh, yeah. the, uh, the attention of the owner. And, and even from the beginning, you know, at the open mics, I don't mind hanging out with the comics and having conversations in the back. That's one thing. But it's like, I'm not the type of guy that after I'm done with my set, I'm not just going to hang around. Like, I'm like, I got to go home, dog. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I got a day job. I got, I got a wife to feed. I got, I got things right. to do, you know, right. and for better or for worse, not to say that it, that it's good or bad, but for my experience, it feels like, even though I've been very blessed, you know, for three and a half years in almost four, it's, um, I've been booked in a lot of things. I've been able to open up for guys like Brian Holtzman, Jeremy Piven, and all these other guys. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, the scene kind of sees me seizing opportunity where the opportunity was there. And then I get like flack from, you know, some of the local bookers that are, you know, doing some of the local smaller showcases where 
that's where kind of like where a young comic like myself, that's really where we hone our skills. Isn't necessarily at an open mic is going to the showcases in front of real audiences and working not only at the clubs, but at the bars, at, at the breweries. And it's like, they kind of like stiff you. It's like, no, 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 because I was jealous of you at that one moment. I'm not going to let you do this. Right. But, because you're not but, part of the club. You know? Right. But, but here's the thing. What can you do about that? I can't do a shit about it. No, that's that, dude, that's exactly right. So when that when they throw that shade at you, you just got to kind of roll right around that and look for the sun and just keep doing what you're thinking. Because eventually 15 will become 30 and then you'll be, dude, you'll be out on the road somewhere. No, it's just crazy, right? Um, earlier this year, uh, September of last year, uh, my wife and I went to Florida to do just to go on vacation and I ended up doing some spots out there because I'm, I'm a degenerate and every time I I'm in a city I have to do a spot and you know yeah and no, that's great <laughs> and and I reached out and I did pretty good and one of the guys shout out to Eugene Torres uh, out of Orlando Florida he's he asked me to come back and open for him so yeah it was it was one of those things it's like hey I might not be getting booked in my city the way I want to but at the right. same time I am still I'm still working towards this long-term goal. And right. you, you talk about you're in martial arts. You do, you do Kung Fu. I'm very similarly, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been doing Brazilian there Jiu-Jitsu. There you go. For five oh, years. I love it. For five nice. years. I recently got my purple belt. Nice. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and it's like like anything else. Like the way I look at it, it's like my comedy and my Jiu-Jitsu kind of mirror paths. It's like, it's like by the time I get to black belt, I'm going to be somewhere. Where is that going to yeah. be? Yeah. We'll you find out. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll and you know out. what? And you know this because uh, it was weird when I got to Black Belt, I was at 12 forms. And our premier grandmaster said something. He goes, you know, when you get to 25 forms in Kung Fu, you'll know what patience means. And that's a weird thing to say. And recently I got to 25, you know, and then I'm like, oh, okay. Now I get it because, you know, it takes me a half an hour to 40 minutes every day to work on 12 of them so every other day every day i do 12 and it takes me two days to get through 25 and you got to do them slow and very methodical you know when you do patterns and stuff and that teaches you that it's really great because martial arts teaches you to stay calm stay cool and just and you know this too the more you learn the less you want to get in a fight because it's like you don't want to run into somebody like you no, it's faster. Yeah. So it's like yeah, it, I, it really becomes just, all right, how do I avoid getting in fights? How do I not be there when something goes down? You know, it's, it's not only that. Right. I think for me, what jujitsu has brought into my comedy, especially if I train like the afternoon before I go do a big set. Yeah. It's like it clears all this crap that's in my brain. Like yes. It feels let yeah. it be, you know, drama at work or my wife. All of a sudden, it's like, huh, I just got done doing the hardest part of my day. Comedy? Right. No. You like, know, that's crazy. I always tell people, I go, my day starts with nine litter boxes and then 45 minutes of Kung Fu. After that, the rest of the day is a piece of cake, no matter what happens. It's great. It's great. It's yeah. great. And, and, and it's like, you know, I grew up doing martial arts and, and jujitsu has been the grappling art that I'll tell you this has changed my life. I've lost 225 pounds with jujitsu. Oh my God. Yeah. And kudos, and, dude. And, uh, don't kudos me. You know better than that. 
come on. I shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah, but 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 you got out of it, so that's good. And and I see and I see how things continue to kind of evolve. Like I'm I'm at this point in, in jujitsu where purple belt in the in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu sphere, it's considered an elite belt. You're not a black belt, but you're good enough you're good, that yeah. Yeah. you're good enough in these certain parts of what they call your game that right. you can tap out just about anybody you want. But you right. still need refinement for that, you know, right. for the for the nod. And it's crazy because it's like now I when I see the baby white belts come in, and I remember how purple belts and brown belts and black belts and people who've been doing it for 15, 20 years, how they treated me when I was a white belt. It was like they were just toying with me. And I was trying really hard and they weren't even breaking a sweat. I'm doing that to people now, and I'm like, right. I wonder if this is how comedy's going to be in 10 years. Right, right. Right, because yeah. even now, compare when I compare my day one writing, like day one, like first open mic, I don't know what I'm saying, to now, even the way that I write is geared towards, is this going to make somebody laugh on stage? It's not It's not good enough for me to be, oh, it's funny, because, you know, every idea that we get through our head makes us laugh in one way or the other, right. but it's, is it going to be funny when the mic is on my head? That's how I write now, and it's weird. Right. It's a weird like transition that I never noticed happen until like recently. I'm like, oh my god, that's not gonna work. That's not a funny joke. It's a yeah. it's a funny premise. That's not a joke. Where's the punchline? Where's where's your setup? Like like I'm always now I look at everything from that perspective. Right, right. When when you write, who influenced a lot of your writing? Not to say you copied them or anything, but like no, no, no. stylistically. No, no, my, um, my favorite comics of all time are. Carlin, Rock, and Chappelle. And I, I wouldn't pick one of them as better than the other just because they're all different. But like when I watch them, I'm just like mesmerized because they're 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 so good, you know. Uh, and Pryor to a certain extent, too, because Pryor was the guy that could sell ice to an Eskimo. Just he was just a great salesman. Carlin was the mind guy. Rock is like rock. I like rock a lot because he's like he's like Carlin, the Carlin mind with the you know, they asked him who his favorite comic was, and he actually said Woody Allen. And which sounds kind of rock, really? Your favorite is Woody Allen, but you know that when you listen to rock, there's Woody was really clever, and you hear rock. He's got the cadence like prior, but he's got the mindset kind of of uh, like Franklin Ajay, who's a comic from the 80s. It was really good, a black comic, really clever. And uh, Carlin. So you could see why, oh, that's why, where the Woody thing comes from. Because he's got the delivery of this guy over here, but he's got the mindset of Franklin Ajay and Woody Allen. So he kind of took a couple genres and combined them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Chappelle is just like, I don't even know how to describe him. He's Chappelle, one of the Chappelle, Chappelle is a true one of one. You know, I'm a huge comedy fan. There's he, nothing. He's like from another planet. He's so good. It's kind of like you just want to go, you know, it's like a good basketball player. This guy's really good, but at the end of the day, he's not Michael Jordan. Right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, Chappelle's like Michael Jordan. It's just like, <laughs> Wow. Oh my God. 
So coming up when he first started back in the eighties, talk about that man, like the golden era of comedy, you know, like the post seventies class of seventy six from the comedy store. All oh, of those God, guys. it was just eighty six was when I started, and there was like till about ninety four. Uh man, it was it was fun, you know, because there was just clubs everywhere. You could get, and the, here's the other thing that's crazy, and you'll this will blow you away. You would pick up the. You would pick up the phone at the most three times and get, like I used to call the funny bone. I made three phone calls. Sometimes you get them on the first phone call and boom, 18 weeks of work, done. Then you call like the punchline, five more weeks of work, done. So in one day, you, half the year was booked. And then you just didn't have to worry about it. There was no promoting. They did it. And then you just show up and do your show. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. It's yeah. crazy. Now it's everything is kind of predicated on asses and seats, right? Like the club yeah. doesn't just book the people that like the headliners and good enough anymore. Now it's like, okay, you, what's your following? Can you bring asses and seats? Because, yeah. you know, not to say that unless you're Joe Rogan or whatever, you're not a good comic. It's just right. social media has transformed so much. Everybody yeah. has their own following. You know, I have, I run a little small brewery show here in North Austin and people follow me because of that. And I'm like, all I do is host and do 10 to 15 minutes trying to work out my material over here. And, right. you know, downtown they're like, Oh, but you have a following. And I'm like, 20 people isn't a following. <laughs> yeah, but it is. Yeah. You know, 20 people in a room is, you know, an audience. So that is a legit audience. That's a fun audience. And 20, 20 could turn into 40 or 80. So that's true. That's true. Hopefully. Uh, fingers yeah, crossed. One day, one day, one day, one yep. day. Hopefully, you know, if we continue to build the podcast, people continue to subscribe. Anyway, um, so you, you, you're also an actor. Like, yeah. how did you get into acting? Uh, actually, the acting came before the comedy uh i got a commercial i was that was weird too because i walked into la the first agent's office i walked into in 85 uh signed me and like i got a commercial like three months later and i was like oh this is going to be easy were they, just, <laughs> were, they, were they just like handing things out like that back in the day because you're like the no, third you're that. the third just... older comic no, no offense to your age you're the third yeah, older yeah. generation comic that's told me Back then, they were just giving things away. And I'm like, what? Yeah. No, they weren't given. I mean, you'd have to go to an audition. Here's the thing about auditions, people. The, people don't understand. You go in, 40 or 50 other people go in. Then if they have a callback, there's maybe three or four. And then, then one of you gets it. So you've got a one in 50 chance of getting it. And the reasons why you get it or don't, you know, you may get it one time because the the guy you remind him of his his brother in Detroit who he likes. Maybe you lose it because you remind him of his brother in Detroit who he fucking can't stand. Um, or maybe just you just fit that look. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so there's so many reasons why you might not get it. I think so many reasons you might get it. Uh, and of course, acting helps, but you cannot get it or get it sometimes. And it has nothing to do with the acting part. So it's like... Uh, like I said, I got signed by the first agent, and then the third commercial I went for, I got it. I go, oh, this is easy. And it wasn't later till I'd been doing it a while. I go, oh no, this is really hard. You know, you, you go, you might go on ten auditions, and if you get one every ten, you're doing good. You're doing well. You know. Wow. I mean, I, mean, I remember one time Robert De Niro. They were talking about it, and he says, "Make your own stuff if you can, because you go in, you're probably not going to get it." And this is from like the the guy considered the best actor, one of the best actors ever. Yeah, for sure. It's weird because so, that's how that's how comedy is being treated now, right? Like, <laughs> there there's a lot of guys, you know, in this generation that were like, okay, to be a regular at a club is kind of the goal for a lot of the guys to you know get the influence opener for the bigger guys. Hopefully, one of the touring comics likes you enough to be like, hey, come with me on the road. You know, that's kind of like the hope for most comics. But then there's other guys, you know, like myself, that were like, okay, but I can do my own stuff on the side and still get good. Like, I don't need to be at the club to get good. Like, the club is the best way to get good, but there's a second best way. That's running your own room, you know, producing a show every week right. or something. And, you know. By the way, I love your way. I like. Uh, and this is just my personal opinion. Somebody else would might say something different. I love the fact that you took control of your own life. You got your own podcast. You're running your own room. You, hey, first of all, less stress for you. You know, the more or you more, have to rely. Or more. Well, I would say less, and I'll tell you why. Because the more control you have over your own life, to me, the less stress you're going to have. Uh, once you bring other people in, there's always oh, there's always a possibility they can impinge on you or cause you stress. I, I mean, I've been I, I consider myself more lucky than good, right? So, I man, it's part of me. I love being part of a community, but I want to see good comedy. And sometimes when you're at the club, you don't always see the best comedy that's available, especially when you. 
you've been in the trenches, right? You, you've yeah. been in the trenches and you, you know which comics are killers. And you're like, if they just give this guy a stage and fuck the politics, he'll do great. Can, he'll do right. great, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's part of it why I started doing it. It was like, hey, I need to put comics that don't want to go downtown that keep getting snubbed by guys downtown. Let's put them up here. Let's, let's give them a place to work where the community can come and follow them, follow their story, and they can go rock a room. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it'll be once, twice a month, but all of a sudden that once, twice a month turns into three, four, five times a month. Right, right. And, and that works. That's, that was my, my mission behind that. I, I love it, man. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, what, so you, comedy, actor, you're a writer. How, how did you, Put your hands in every little bit of entertainment because I feel like that those three things basically cover everything. The only thing you're missing yeah, is be, being a model. Be, yeah, because what happens is uh, sometimes you get frustrated over here doing this. So it's like, okay, let's go over and do this for a while. And then maybe you have a little success there. Then you can go back over here. So, and the more things I think in this business, the more things you can do. Like, for instance, you, you're doing a podcast and you're doing comedy and you're running your own room. So you're not just a comic. You're doing three different things. One of them is comic, but the other is a podcast and you're running your own room. So to me, that's like you're a producer. You're not just a comic. You're a comedian and you're a producer because you're producing your own show on in comedy and you're producing your own podcast. So you know, you're getting yourself out there. That's smart to me, you know? So if I can get myself out there through writing, like I'm just finishing up a movie right now, and then I'm going to try to get a deal on that. I got another TV show. Uh, I'm trying to deal at Netflix right now. So um, hopefully that'll, you know, we'll see. You know, again, this was the point I was getting to earlier. The one thing about show business, um, unlike everything else, like, you know, this. If you put the work in, in jujitsu, you'll get the black belt. If you put the work in in Kung Fu, I'll get the fourth degree eventually. I don't know exactly how long it'll take, but I have a, I got a good chance of getting the fourth degree. You know, when I used to high jump, if I did this and this and this, then I could get this good. Show business, like Chappelle says, there's only a certain amount of slots. So somebody's going to get left out. And there's where you get the frustration. And then when you got people that are toxic to begin with, that's where you run into this toxicity and these guys that act like assholes. So my point with you is you running your own show, uh, in my opinion, probably there'll be less toxicity for you because it's your show. You can always say, you know what? I don't have room for you this week. You can say no to somebody that's toxic. That's true. Instead of having somebody toxic fucking with you, you can say no to them. And you you control who gets on your show. So, you know, if, if I have my own show, then I'm only going to book people that are nice people, not just funny. You got to be nice, too. I don't want any assholes yeah, I, on me. Yeah, I don't, I don't. It's it's when you attach, for me, right, if I'm going to attach my name to something, I want to make sure that it's the best product it possibly can be right yeah. and it's and it's and it's nothing personal like like i look at it like i understand like i've learned in my short time 
in this industry is like a lot of times it isn't that it's personal. A lot of times it's like maybe you're just not the right person for this crowd, and especially right, in right, comedy, right? right? Like, right. hate to say, it, I love Woody Woody Harrelson, and I'm yeah funny, but I wouldn't put him in front of a black crowd. Yeah. That's just me, though. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Right. Man. These guys might right. not dig, you know, Woody Harrelson. Right, right. Say. And that's yeah, yeah. me. That's just me, right? But then, you know, right. you put Chris Rock in front of any crowd, and that dude rocks right. any crowd. So, right. He, he's, a, he's a crossover comic. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you, you, you put your hands in everything in yeah. this industry. Yeah, and you're already doing that. Oh, own, I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. really hard. So, I want to buy a house, bro. <laughs> yeah. And let me ask you something. Is your wife pretty supportive of this? I, look, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have lucked out with the lady that I married. I have yeah, that's lucked good, out. Dude. One, yeah. I started comedy after we got married. So she just thought yeah. it was a hobby. And then one day she turns around and says, really? You just paid a, a, the car note for the month. I guess you're serious. And I'm like, I didn't mean to. This, I just, I just didn't stop. Like I, 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 I you know, like yeah. I always looked at it like anything else, like as a martial artist, it's like, just keep going. Like there's yeah. like, Boy, like, that's a great dude that because comedy is a tortoise race. It is not a hair race. Nah. If, you're, if you're a tortoise and you just keep moving forward, you're going to have some success. So it, it's like, I, it, you know, I love the guys that have, like, I love all the guys that are working out of Austin right now. Like some of the younger guys, you know, like Hans Kim, Dean Stanfield, all these guys that are, have a lot of momentum underneath their wing right now. I yeah. love them to death because those were the guys that I was out there when the pandemic was still going on and we were about to kill every old person because we were the young assholes out there, you know, doing comedy, risking our lives. Those were the guys that I was in the trenches with, right? And seeing them kind of seize the moment, it was like, oh, good for you. Like, 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 take it. But I said, you know, not it happened for me too early last year, but I feel like last year it was too soon. I wasn't ready for the big stage, you know, and, and I say that looking back now because I want to I I've said this before. On the podcast, when I opened for Jeremy, it was a good set. It could have been better. But then the night afterwards, I opened for, you know, Brian Holtzman and, and Jamar Neighbors and all these guys that are, you know, Adam Ray was the was the show that haunts me to this day because I bombed in front of 200 people. I mean, bomb. <laughs> I mean, like the type of bomb that you get in your car, you're just going to you're like, please, yeah. snow on the road, turn yeah. and never see the light of day again. And, yeah. and, and if it wasn't for those lessons, I don't think I'd be working as hard as I do today. Because now it's like every show I go, it's like people paid money to see me. People go, right. people took time, got, you know, the little things that, you know, when you're two, three years in that you really don't care. You're like, I just want stage time. No, no, no. After that bomb during the Adam Ray show, uh, the producer who was Reed Marshall Becker at the time, he looked at me and he said, he was like, you're either going to learn from this or you're going to quit. That's the two things he said to me, walked away as he was laughing because I bombed so hard. Yeah. It was, it was a nasty bomb. I'm telling you, Keith, it was nasty. Oh, sorry. Okay, that's a good question for you. What was the absolute worst bomb you've ever had? The one that haunts you Ooh. to this day? Um, 
I think there. I'm sure there's multiple, but there's always that one. Yeah. Always that I, one. I, I would say, I don't know even know who I had. I think it was 92. I did a show at the Variety Arts Center downtown LA and I had the flu. So I was sick and I got to the show and there was a guy that was just wouldn't shut up. And this is the only time I've done this, by the way, ever. And I was supposed to do 20 and 10 minutes in. I just said, I'm done. And I just walked off the stage. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even do my time. I just said, I'm done with you. And I said, I'm done. And I just walked out. And I never went back to that place. Um, so I always kind of, I don't think about it all the time. It's not like, I actually had to think when you said that, because, you know, if you do a hundred shows, there's going to be one in there. That's not as good as the other. Oh, there's going to be, there's going to be four where somebody just won't shut up. And then hopefully if you're a headliner and you've got your shit together, 85 of the shows are going to be fine. You know, uh, 40 of them are going to be good and 40 of them you're going to rock. And But there's 10% in there. And I always remember Seinfeld said this to me one time. He goes, I never forget, no matter how well I do, even if it's 3,000 people, there's 100 of them that walk out and go, that guy sucks. He's the worst I've ever seen. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, somebody's not going to like you, but, you know, hopefully 90% of the audience likes you. You know, and then here's the other thing. You get to a point, you know, I got 90 minutes now. Most of that stuff is tried and true. I've been doing it for a while. Even when I do a new joke, once I've done it 10 times and it's working, it's like, okay, something's wrong with you because I already know this works, you know? Uh, oh, my God. I, and it's here's weird. Another, it's weird because that's a and, true, and, that's and a real thing. thing. Always remember this. Audiences are like lotteries. OK, you know how somebody wins, you know, two hundred eighty million dollars. Yeah. Somebody had to win sooner or later. Right. Well, sooner or later, you're going to have a show where literally there's just nothing you can do wrong in that show and you kill. Then there's a show where you just suck and it's you. But people forget there's another kind of show. And I've had this happen a lot where you're up there and you're just going, oh, my God this audience is just terrible and nobody's laughing. Right. But you just do your set. You're professional. You finish the show. Right. And they're walking out. Wow. That was the greatest thing we've ever seen. Wow. You were fantastic. Well, remember what I said about a lottery. If you do a hundred shows, there's going to be one in there where the whole audience, none of them are hard laughers. It's just, it's just like, it's like the playing the odds on a football game or something. Sooner or later, you're going to get a wet day in a rainy field, and it's going to be slippery, and you can't cut, you can't catch the ball. But they don't know they're a shitty audience. They don't know that they're all not hard laughers. They think it's the best time they ever had. You don't tell them that it was a shitty show. You just say, hey, man, I'm glad you had a good time. Because they just think what they just saw was the greatest thing they've ever seen. That's, so, something, that's something that, that I've a lot of experienced comics have always told me it was yeah. like, hey no matter how good or bad the show goes treat them like they just saw the best thing ever they think right thank the audience members thank the bar staff thank everybody yeah. that was part of the production 
because the one guaranteed way that you're never going to get booked again in a venue is if you're an asshole. Yeah, don't be an asshole. There you go. Oh, Show up, be not there. We're right back to that rule. Reward good behavior, ignore bad. Just show business people forget they only think about the show they don't think about the business and the business is show up be a nice person be professional that's the one i had to learn in 2010 don't be an asshole what's your what's your favorite club to perform at right now <sighs> every time you go you have fun i like the ice house in pasadena and harvey's in portland because that's my hometown yeah yeah, those probably those two. There's a new club in Arizona out just outside of Phoenix called JPS's. I really like that room. It's small. It only holds about 120, but it's a square room with a low ceiling. So the laughter, the sound is held in close. And when you rock that room, it's just like magic. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I actually did a room in San Antonio this past weekend called Blind Tiger Comedy Club. Super small, sat, didn't even seat 100. It sat like 60 people at the most. Right. And I'll tell you this, that was probably one of some of the, one of the best shows I've ever done. It was, right. it reminded me of old school New York City where you kind of have to go down into the basement. Right. The phone didn't even work. It was, right, right. It was beautiful, man. Like it had a good set. Um, but Today, the way the business is today compared to when you first started, what is the biggest differences between now and then, especially at the, at the club level? What, what do you what do you see? As oh, the-, the promotion thing. Definitely. The social media. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Do you struggle like with that? You know, since a generational um, gap? No, because the rooms I was already in have been around before that became a thing. So they're still doing a lot of marketing. So, I mean, I got 49,000 on Instagram. So, you know, I got my cats, I got comedy, I do the Kung Fu. So I got some, there's, you know, I got a deal with Nike because I used to be a really good high jumper. So, I, I mean, I was literally a high jumper at Oregon the year after Nike started. Wow. And then, okay. and, and then I, because then I became, I had a thing in the eighties. I had this weird thing because I had a kid that did stand up when she was seven. And then she had won this contest with HBO. So then her and I were on TV a couple of times on entertainment tonight. So we kind of blew up a little bit on that. And then that got me more of the Nike deal. And then I was doing old man masters track and I set a world record in the high jump that I held for seven years. So the Nike was, they're still sending me stuff, you know, they've been really good to me. So yeah, there's a couple things that kind of cross over that helped me, I think. Oh, that's, that's freaking cool. Yeah. So you, so I, that's something I didn't know about you. You held a world record in a master's yeah. division. If you, if you, if you look up, if you go to May 20th, 2000, Masters High Jump, Visalia, California. My name will pop up and it'll tell you. Wow. Yeah. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I held Smart, that from- the smartest thing you've done is not take a BJ2. If not, you would not be walking right now. My neck is killing me from all the years of jujitsu, bro. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's you know here's the funny thing. It's here's so what's so funny about your jujitsu. When you said jujitsu, I laughed inside to myself. So now I might as well tell you the one thing I hate. We do hot keto and as a part of our kung fu, you know. Yeah. I hate going to the ground. If you, my thing is, if somebody's going to take me to the ground, they're losing their eyes. My thumbs are going in your eyes, and I'm taking oh, them. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. It's I. It's, so I wrestled in high school, right? So I've always been like the like like I like grappling. It's fine. It's a little gay. It is what it is. But it's not. It's not gay. And, and let me tell you something else about those are the two worst guys to get in a fight with. Do most fights end up on the ground? Do not get in a fight with a guy that does jujitsu or wrestles. You're going to get your ass beat. Anyway, right? So it's. It, I just took it up because I I, I love the martial arts. I you know my yeah. dad was a kempo. And what a great tra- by the way, what a great transition wrestling to jujitsu. No, yeah, hey, so- I'm already. I've already been on the ground. No, well, it's different, right? Like when, when you wrestle in high school, that folk style wrestling, really outside of the conditioning, there's no real, you're just used to touching another person. That's the right. only thing that you yeah, get yeah. out of it. Because yeah. jiu-jitsu, it's his own monster. It really is. It's its own yeah. its own literal rabbit hole of, of whatever. But my dad and my uncle used to own a... Uh, back in puerto rico uh, a martial arts studio at kempo karate and parker system oh my god martial so arts studio the, so it's it's in the family it's in the family right but you know according to my dad i'm the pendejo that likes to touch ass so you know and then and then i go dad shut the fuck up while i pull up family pictures of him with ken shamrock and me being held as a baby which is yeah. true, which is true i'll show you oh one. that's nice it's it's, it's, it. it's pretty cool so basically that backstory goes my uncle and my my father used to own this studio and um during ufc4 which is the one where they was never aired but was taking place in puerto rico and ken shamrock was looking for a place to train 
but he didn't he didn't trust anybody. But because of, through Ed Parker, they knew my 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 parents. Well, my grandfather, my uncle, and all them. They knew them. So he went over there and trained. And the story goes that my dad said he's like, I've never kicked a human being harder in my life. The guy never flinched. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? It was like he was <laughs> built out of granite. And I'm like, Well, Ken Shamrock was on all the steroids, so obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was pretty cool, man. Like, like the whole martial arts thing has been running in my family for a long time. So when I started taking jujitsu, my dad was like, "I What are you doing <laughs> going through the ground? This, this is not this, this is not what we do. We like to punch and kick people." Okay, I'm like, "Dad, I I don't need head trauma. I need to. I like right. my brain. I like my brain." Yeah. So, yeah. so you started kung fu later in life. Yeah. I mean, why Kung Fu? Why Kung Fu? Um, well, I just, this is crazy, dude. You know, I didn't do it for a long time because I didn't want to get into a dojo where guys were just beating the shit out of each other. Because I might, you don't, you know, I don't want to get hurt. So I called up this one and it had a really high rating. It was in Burbank. And, you know, you get on the phone, you know, you get on the phone, you're talking to somebody, you just have a nice audience. And so I said, I'm going to try this. I go over there, liked him. The guy that ran it was a premier grandmaster. Mm-hmm. He's like 70 years old, little white guy with white hair to hear. And, and he was just great. And it was funny because after about five years, I go, I said something to him one time. I said, you know, I noticed you don't have any assholes in here. And he goes, yeah, we don't get them. They come in once in a while. Sometimes they'll walk in the door and see us training and they get a weird look on their face and then they leave. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've never really walked into a jujitsu gym full of assholes. There's, I, I, at least when it comes to grappling, because the moment one of those guys walks in and they get dealt with, it's either they right, they either right? they either realize I can't be a dickhead, or I'm going to get right. my ass whooped, or yeah. I'll take my ass whooping with dignity and learn how to defend myself. Right. Usually it's one of two things in jujitsu, right? It's the ego gets left at the door or they come in with the ego, get dealt with, and they never come back. Like right. the attrition rate for jujitsu is ridiculous. Like if you look, I, I, I bet it is. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, I think they say most, most white folks that start quit within six months of starting. Dude, the turnover is the same thing with ours. I'd say now uh, there's so many, you know, what's, I'll tell you a crazy one. When I came in, the guy training me was just getting to his second degree black belt. By the time I got to black belt, he had left the school. Wow. Wow, right? And what, figuring- could, could it be like one of those things where it's like he moved away or was it like, oh, I'm not going No, he that. still lived around. I think what it is, okay, so we had a master. He moved to, he moved to Austin. He actually lives in Austin now. He's a fifth degree. So he just moved away. But I think for some people, it's like, we just had a guy. He's one of the best guys we've ever had in. He just got black belt, left the school. I think for some people, they just want to get to a certain level, and then they're satisfied, and that's it. And then for other people, like for me, it's just become kind of part of my life. It's like, I know I got to get up and do the forms every day. It's my my linchpin. It's it's my my linchpin. I know it keeps me calm. I know it's good for my inner being. So it becomes a little bit of a way of life. I know doing it slow and precise is good for me because I know that slowness and preciseness 
from slowness comes speed, from softness comes strength, from uh, what's the other one? Uh, slowness Slow, smooth, speed. smoothest, fast. Yeah, yeah, smooth, yeah. From, from slowness comes speed, uh, from softness comes strength, and there's one more, but I can't remember. Uh, but, but but that's how it is, though, right? Like I. But that's how it is, and I know if I do those every day, it keeps me calm in comedy. It keeps me. I still get mad. It still comes up, but then it just dissipates. I don't let it overtake me. You look at because it. one of the rules we learn in fighting is as soon as you get tense or you let your anger overtake it, you've lost. You always have to stay relaxed and focused. Oh my god, it's it's a beautiful thing because I see guys like especially. So jujitsu brings two types of people, very different types of people, right? You right. have what I call, or not. It's not my term. It's a Eddie Bravo's term. Eddie Bravo, very prominent black belt in jiu-jitsu, says you yeah. get nerd assassins, right? Guys who like computer coding, guys that do, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons, but they're looking to get back in shape. You get nerd assassins that walk in. Those are the guys that get really good, really fast, doing some really intricate techniques. Then you got former athletes that walk in. Those are the guys that I could tell you from firsthand experience never make it long term. Right, because unless they wrestled and they know how to grind it out, if you're an athlete like a football player, basketball player, right. or something like that, it's like you're not used to your ego being checked on a multiple times within the same hour, let alone within the same week. Right, 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 you right. Know? Where like wrestlers, grapplers, judo, judokas that transition to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, those guys stay and they do very well because they understand the mindset of like. Well, I'm going to suck at this for a long time. Let's just sit here, get comfortable. We'll right. be fine. Nerd assassins, they're going, they're coming in. It was like, oh, it's like, it's like a video game to them. They're like, oh, that means if I just practice enough, I get good at this motherfucker. Right. Right. But the guys that quit, they're always really athletic, man. And, it, and it's a weird dynamic because you get these guys that are D1 athletes, especially here in Austin. You know, we got the University of Texas. Right. You get guys that walk in and you're just like, wow, that's a really athletic guy. They have a lot of go. Three weeks later, hey, what happened to so-and-so? And And they they quit. quit. They quit. And it isn't because they can't physically do it. It's up here. It's in the brain. It's in their brain. They they don't like it. They can't stand that a 250-pound chubby guy choked them out six times in a row. That's really what it is. You know, it's funny about Kung Fu because we have what we call, you know, you do the push hands. Yeah. And push. Yeah. And it's so great because the first thing, one of the first things I learned in there was you take the loss to get the win. Normally, when somebody pushes you, you know, in America, we push back. But in Kung Fu, when you push me, I open the door and I let you push me. And the harder you push me, great. I'll let you go where you want to go because I'm going to just let you go right into the wall. That's fine. And only only a small person fighting a big person would figure that out. You know, let let an, let of course an Asian figure that out. Open the door and let him go the other way. It's the same thing because you can't push into them. See, and modern jiu-jitsu. modern day jujitsu, modern day Brazilian jujitsu is built for the small man. Like that's what most people do right. realize. It's built for the and small I man. Just, dude, I was literally going to say that, and I don't know much. I don't know any jujitsu. I know the hot keto. But I do know when you step into a certain position, bump your hip on a guy, and then step away the other way, they're going. 
they had no choice because once you got them up on their heels and off balance, they have no choice. So I'm sure your uh, jujitsu works the same way. No, it's, it's, I think what they call what, what, Shout out to Jason Clunch. He's the, my black belt professor. He, uh, he always says, it's like, sometimes, you know, they want to push into you. Just let them keep going. Oh, yeah. He was like, he was like, he was like, he was like, they want to push into you. Just pull them a little further than they wanted to go. Or yeah, they want to pull away, push them a little further than they wanted to go. That's exactly and, right. And, 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 and same thing. He was, and then I take those lessons and we bring it back to comedy. It's when I, what I'm learning now on stage is, oh, these people want to laugh. They just need the help to get to that laugh. And that's where my technique in comedy goes to. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm learning that from guys like you. Like, I, that's why I keep yeah. asking, like, really pertinent questions, not only about the business, but the art itself, right? Like, like yeah. you, you talked about it. It isn't just reps. It's, it's, it's figuring out who you are. And, 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 and yeah, and get like, here's the thing. You don't want just reps. You want good reps. Say that again. Good reps are more. I'd rather have three good reps than 10 reps and seven of them sucked. Oh my God. You know, I don't need the seven that sucked. I need three good reps. So, so good reps, I think, are more important than number of reps. So that's, that's my approach, right? So I'm not out there every day damn night of the week one i can't afford it yeah prices are ridiculous uh, but it's it's i'm going out there to do these mics and i and i and i at this point i've sampled every mic within the 20 mile radius of this town so yeah. it's like i know which ones i'm gonna go and get a good rep versus a bad rep right and it's like and to me a good rep isn't necessarily that there's an audience member it's is the room receptive, right? Even if it's a right. room full of comics, I'd rather have a room full of comics that are paying attention, that are serious about their craft, than right. go to a bar where there's a thousand distractions, right? right. Like you got to fight against the, the NFL game or the baseball game, plus three yeah. drunk guys at the end of the bar that don't give a fuck about comedy or anything. I'd rather go to a small open mic, 12 guys, but they're paying attention. But by right. the time you get off, they're like, hey, why don't you try it this way? Or, hey, that was funny. Hey, yeah. this is another tag. Because what most people forget as comedians, it's a very collaborative effort. Even though it's an individual endeavor, it's a collaborative effort as far as writing, as far as building material. I don't know, yeah. in your experience as a comic, if you've ever given tags or taken tags from yeah. comics. Yeah. A guy gave me a tag last night. We were just talking. And we're because he's doing this play about uh, it's kind of where he's playing Jesus and he's come back to tell people what they're doing right and wrong. So he just did his first play uh, in San Francisco. But I was telling him about a joke I had about the Catholic Church in my head, and he gave me a tag. He texted me a tag today. So, yeah. And I tag people all the time. Oh, man. You know, I'll, I'll, like if you ever see my stuff, man, and you want to tag me up, tag me up. I'll yeah. try it on stage yeah, at least one time. I'll try it at least at least one time. And, and vice versa. Hey, so with all your years in comedy, what is the biggest lesson you've learned? And then we'll wrap it up. That one I told you. Really? That's that changed my life. Changed your life. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I had been married to my wife about three years. I met this guy. And I did, I started doing Kung Fu a week after he told me that. So 
the Kung Fu, my wife, and him telling me reward good behavior, ignore bad, all those three things all came together at the exact same time. And just, it flipped me into a completely different person. Wow. Yeah, I always tell my wife, I lived this other life where I was toxic and I did, I was always with toxic, beautiful, but toxic women. And they're always trying to drown you and you're always trying to fix them and you can't fix them and you're toxic. And then I met her because I was ready and I, I, I knew I had to make a change because I said, I can't keep doing this the rest of my life. And I married her, which was the best decision I've ever made in my life. And she flipped me. And then I met that guy. And then I started doing Kung Fu and things just, I'm actually enjoying my life now. You know, I enjoy everything about my life. I enjoy the cats. I enjoy my wife. I love doing comedy. And it, they're all just good things to do and fun. That's, that's freaking phenomenal. So Keith, where and, can my people find you? Oh, okay. Thank you. So I'm at Keith Russ Nelson on Instagram. Please follow. That'd be great. And I, if you want to see my website, it's at KeithRussNelson.org with all that crap in front. I don't know what the HH slash slash TTP, whatever that is. The HTTPS um, backslash backslash. <laughs> I have to have a millennial straighten me out on it. Uh, right? um, I, I uh, and I'm that. on Facebook too. I still got probably a couple hundred on Facebook, but uh, Instagram's better because, of course, that's unlimited. So, yeah. So, any future dates oh, you want to plug oh, or anything like that? Whoa, 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 hold on. And Texans, I'll be at TK's in Addison, Texas, March 2nd through the 7th. It's a brand new club. It's really nice. I'm coming to Texas uh, next month. There you go. He's coming to Texas, everybody. Well, I well, might be, who knows? I might be on that stage. Dude, who, who gives dude, a crap? If you, if you come up, we'll get you a guest set. Absolutely. What, what day exactly? Let, let's put um, that there. Hold on, hold on, wait, oh shoot. Look on your calendar, it's that first week in March, it's Thursday through Sunday. Thursday through Sunday? Oh Yeah, whatever, whatever night there. you want to come. I, I'm what there. It, yeah, I'll probably be fantastic. there Friday night or to, Saturday. Okay, you come in and you do some time and cool. I'll buy you a drink and you uh, can do let, some more. Let's do it, let's do it. We might yeah. do a follow-up podcast. Who knows, I'll bring right. my equipment. We'll take this motherfucker on the road, guys. There Look go, at this, right. Daniel getting booked. On a podcast to do That's real good. life. Who knows? Love it. Hey, yeah. if you, uh, so tell you this. If you're ever in Austin, the third week of any month, you got stage time with me. You don't even have to ask. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. Man. You got stage time with me. I, I working class crowd up in the northwest corner of right. Austin. So, so write this, write those dates down uh, right and then plug it a little bit that week and then we'll see you that week. So it's going to be, so you said the sec, this first week, right? It's the first week of March. I, I think it's the second through the second, second seventh. Second so it's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday, first Friday, week of March. So, yeah. So it'll be the third through the seventh. And yeah, yeah, right. we'll we'll make it happen, bro. We'll make it happen, guys. Hey, if you're in Addison, Texas, that is north of Dallas, guys. If yep. you're go watch Keith Ross Nelson kill the mic, kill the show. 
put on a, a performance for you guys. I might yeah. come up there tell some dick jokes. Very it'll nice. Be, it, it'll, cool. it'll be it'll be very very raunchy because I am a raunchy there you go. Romantic. All right, yep. guys. Nice. Uh, give give him a follow. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. Thank you guys for always always hooking it up. And again, thank you again, Keith. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for having and me, Daniel. See you next month. It up. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.